Welcome into the second episode of the X's and Oats podcast. I'm Jackson Peebles with Matthew Landry once again. And we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, Alabama started out 2-0 in SEC play. Um, big win over Ole Miss. And then one of the biggest wins uh, in recent program history at Tennessee. So we're going to talk about both of those. Um, we'll get right into it, Matt. Um, what did you see in the Ole Miss win? Uh, you know, we talked about how tough the schedule was to start out in SEC play and how much Alabama really needed to get that win to start. So what did you see from Alabama, uh, particularly on the offensive end and the win over Ole Miss? Yeah, so especially with offense, I like that we saw Oates make the personnel go five out, um, especially with JQ as the ball handler. It opened up a ton of driving lanes. Um, this was another game where Alabama didn't shoot great from three. They were 12-37 on the night against Ole Miss, um, but still scored 82 points. So, I mean, that that's a pretty impressive stat in itself. And they, they shot below 60% from the free throw line as well. So it's not like they were just on fire and scored 82 against a good defense. They they drove the lane. They attacked. Um, they did so with only Herb Jones having nine, maybe ten minutes. Um, that was in itself impressive. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I really liked offensively. We went, we went five out like we had talked about on here last week in the episode. And we talked about how they're going to try to extend the pressure and it's going to open up a ton of driving lanes, especially for JQ to try to attack. And I thought that we did a great job game planning for that. Um, it gave their defense fits um, on the offensive end. And then just to flip it over to the defensive end for Alabama, that they forced Ole Miss into a ton of tough twos, mm-hmm. um, which is something that you had laid out last week that, you know, that, that's a recipe for success for Alabama because Ole Miss doesn't want to shoot the three. They want to get to the rim. Um, they want to take those long twos, and they kind of it played in Alabama's game plan because they weren't necessarily hitting them. So, I mean, I, I thought Coach Oates' game plan was kind of perfect for that Ole Miss game. What were your thoughts? Uh, yeah, it's kind of like we talked about how you know the way that Ole Miss plays that Alabama kind of spread them out a little bit, and that's to me that's why Quinterly had so much success because there's not many on-ball defenders that can guard him one-on-one. Um, so when you kind of spread them out and Alabama's got the shooters, you can't exactly help, you know, if you do, then you're going to get three, uh, you know, Alabama's going to make a ton of threes on you. So it's kind of pick your poison when Quinterly's cooking like he is uh, or like he was against Ole Miss. So, um, yeah, it's kind of like you said, you know, they were able to spread them out. Uh, that's I think that's why you saw Quinterly have the game he had. And I was really surprised, well, I know we get Tennessee later, but that he wasn't in the starting lineup for the Tennessee game after the game he had against Ole Miss, just because Ole Miss and Tennessee were so similar. Um, we mentioned that uh, previewing those two games. Both of them, those teams are just so similar in their styles. Um, and so it's kind of, I think it kind of made it uh, a little, maybe a little easier on Alabama to prepare for this week. Uh, just because they obviously do a lot of different things, but stylistically the two teams are very similar and Alabama kind of could, craft a similar game plan uh, on the offensive end. Defensively, against Ole Miss, like we said, I, when watching Ole Miss film, I was just thinking, if I was an Ole Miss fan watching this team, you know, night in, night out, I'd get so frustrated at the shot selection. And Schuler is a culprit a lot. Um, some of their other guys, they're just taking really tough twos off the dribble, like one foot inside the three-point line, like, that's stuff that would drive Coach Oates crazy. You know, he's all about the threes and layups philosophy, which, you know, is becoming increasingly popular. But I think Alabama was just 
a lot of the shots Ole Miss took, Alabama, you know, they were just going to live with them. Um, Ole Miss didn't make a lot of them because they take a lot of them, but that's something Alabama's going to live with. Alabama had to work far less for their points or, you know, for their shots than Ole Miss did. So um, what did you think about Quinterly's performance specifically in the Ole Miss game? You know, we've been kind of waiting for him to, uh, you know, show what he can do that, you know, what everybody was expecting when he committed. So what did you think about his performance in the Ole Miss game? Uh, the main takeaway I had is that whenever he decides to attack the rim, he's really, really hard to stop. You know, and that's something I had talked about a little bit last week, and I've talked about it on Twitter throughout the season, is that he can be a bit stagnant at times, especially in the half court, where if he would just put his head down and go, he gets two feet in the paint, he can kick, he can score, he can do whatever. And I think against Ole Miss, yeah, he had zero assists in that game. He had plenty of opportunities for assists. It's not like he was a ball hog. There was a lot of missed shots in that game. Um, but it, it showed that he can be a great playmaker to set up open shots for teammates. But it showed that he, I mean, he's an unbelievable finisher. He's a crafty finisher. And he's hard for opposing guards to stay in front of. And we saw a little bit of it against Ole Miss where we were forcing some switches. He was able to attack the rim against bigger defenders. And he can just be a real problem whenever he continues to grow this confidence that we've seen for the past few games now. So I, for me, the main thing I saw that led to the success was just a growth in confidence. Um, I'm assuming that Oates made it pretty clear that, you know, you're our guy. The reason Oates keeps saying for the benching is mainly for defensive purposes. Um, but offensively, I mean, he was three or five from three in that game. He took really good shots, um, was great at the rim. So for me, I saw just a growth in confidence to where he's starting to really believe he can be a starting SEC caliber point guard who can control the game. Yeah, I agree. And, for Alabama to reach its full potential as a unit, they need him to be that guy. Because, I mean, we've seen her be successful as a point guard, um, but it's just, it's not his natural, you know, skill set. That's something he can do, but a- Alabama is at their best, and they would rather be playing with uh, Quinterly as the primary ball handler. And, you know, he kind of, he, I mean, he really made them go against Ole Miss. I mean, that's a really good defensive team. That and like you said, they scored 82 without even really having a good shooting night. Um, you know, they were just getting easy buckets at the rim. The spacing was uh, really good, and it allowed Quinterly to attack those lanes. And like I said earlier, when you get him in one-on-one situations, it r- usually works out for you. Um, defensively against Ole Miss, I put out a short video about how well Alabama defended the post because even though Ole Miss kind of has undersized post players. They're still looking for uh, seals and duck ins uh, consistently with uh, Buffin and uh, those guys, Romello White. But one thing that Alabama struggled with last year, one of the reasons they weren't that great defensively, was their their bigs weren't great. Um, and now you see where we talked about how Jordan Bruner's you know added a lot of value. That's one thing you see with him on the defensive end. He's not he's not Eve Pons, you know, blocking five shots a game. But he's just such a crafty defender. He's always in position. He always, you know, he's just such a smart defender. And I, uh, you know, pointed some of that stuff out in the video where, you know, he was um, him, Reese, and, you know, the game plan was obviously for them to front the bigs. They were, you know, they were always in position. They were fighting for position, playing really tough. What have you seen from the bigs, um, specifically Bruner and some of the growth that Reese has shown? 
in terms of on the defensive end. Yeah, so I think you laid it out pretty perfectly with Bruner. Um, he's just always in the right spot. He's always making the right play. I mean, I'll, I'll say it as many times as I have to, whether it's every game, every week, every episode of this, whatever it may be. He, he's got the highest IQ on the team. I mean, the dude is yeah. just so smart. And, I mean, clearly he's smart because he went to Yale. He's yeah. so smart <laughs> on the basketball court. I mean, he's phenomenal. He's always in good position. He's always in help side ready to not even necessarily block a shot, but to contest a shot and make it hard. Against Ole Miss, he had a steal and two blocks, and those were just from being in great position. Um, as far as Reese goes, I think you touched on Bruner really well. I think Reese has always kind of had what we saw against Ole Miss specifically in him. Mm-hmm. It's always just been an effort issue with him. It's always yeah. been, is he going to show up tonight, or is he going to let his shot not fall and dictate everything? Mm-hmm. And against Ole Miss, I mean, I, I thought he played one of his best games in an Alabama jersey altogether completely. I mean, he was 2 of 7 from 3 against Ole Miss. Last season, if he had a 2 of 7 game, defensively, he would just be shut down. He's not going to be engaged. Even offensively, he's going to be throwing the ball away. He's just not really into it when he's off. But as we've seen with Reese this year, you know, he he catches a lot of flack. I give him a lot of flack. Um, (laughs) But against Ole Miss, you know, the, the play that's running through my head right now is the fast break Ole Miss has in the first half. Reese comes out of nowhere with a chase down, swats it, and then he made a couple of really good plays on the defensive end like that with fronting Romello White, making life really hard for those Ole Miss bigs and making them earn the buckets they got. And from what I've seen with him, it's just been just complete night and day change with effort-wise with him this season. And it's been really good to see that he's not necessarily always going to be the liability that he can be, even though they're still there at times, don't get me wrong. But he's... He's been much better this season, I thought. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like sometimes we think of him as like a kind of an undersized five, which he is. But at the same time, I don't know, you know, he's listed at 6'9". Dante Hall is listed at 6'9". So (laughs) I don't know if that's, you know, I don't know how accurate that is. But Reese is, you know, he does have the size to be a capable defender um, in the interior. Like you said, it's just a matter of, how he, you know, how he does it night in, night out. <clears throat> but, yeah, like you said, Alabama's, you know, in the their bigs, that's what's made them take the leap, I think, defensively, while they've improved so much. It's helped that they've added a lot of, added a lot of good individual defenders, you know, um, Primo, Keon Ellis, uh, Bruner, guys like that. But, you know, your defense is only going to be as good as you are at guarding the rim. And that, that's what Alabama's gotten so much better at this year. You know, we're not seeing those straight line drives given up, um, you know, straight to the rim like we saw so often last year. Um, so that was the Ole Miss game. I think, you know, Ole Miss came in there as a top 40 Kempom team. I don't know if they're that. Um, I don't know if they'll be that at the end of the season. But I do expect them to be a bubble, a bubble team. Uh, so that was a good win for Alabama, a game they needed to have. Uh, especially when they had Tennessee coming up. So, moving to the Tennessee game, uh, you know, this is not something me or you expected. You know, we both expected a double-digit loss, um, which I don't know if anybody could have blamed us going in. You know, we've both you and I have watched a lot of Tennessee, and they've looked phenomenal. Um, so just your initial thoughts on the win. You know, Alabama going into Thompson Bowling, uh, and beating 
probably the best, you know, the best road win they've had since in the regular season since I don't even know when. I was I wanted to go back and look, um, but I can't remember a team that's better than this. They beat on the road, and you know, my time of being an Alabama fan. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. I mean. You know, we've seen the stat thrown out. This is the first one since, what, 2004 against Mississippi State? Yeah. Um, on the road against a top-10 team and coming away with a win. And, and like you said, I mean, I did not think this was going to happen. Um, I I thought I made it pretty clear. I thought this was going to be a double-digit loss. I had my expectations low. I was texting you all throughout the game saying, this loss is going to hurt so bad now that they've gotten <laughs> me into this. Um, and it wasn't really until that – it was under two minutes when Shaq hit that corner three, and that's when it kind of set in, we're going to win this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't even know exactly where to touch on it. I mean, that was the best effort for 40 minutes we've seen from this team. I mean, they, they came in, and I talked about it last week, how if you want to even stay competitive with Tennessee, let alone beat Tennessee, you cannot get punked out because those yeah. dudes are tough. They're, they're big, they're strong, and they play really hard for Rick Barnes. Um, and Alabama refused to get punked out the entire game. And a guy that I, I haven't seen a whole lot of chatter about how well he played, but Jordan Bruner was phenomenal in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, defensively, he was making the right plays. He had three blocks. Uh, he did not – we talked about one of the mismatches being Fulkerson, who killed us in Tuscaloosa last year, and how he crashes the boards really well. Um, if you would have told me Tennessee was going to have 18 offensive rebounds and we were going to come out of there with a win, I would have told you you were insane. Mm-hmm. And Bruner did a great job limiting Fulkerson, at least, who only had two offensive boards, and that's how he kind of makes his mark on the game. Um, and kind of coming off the Ole Miss game, we just talked about how important Quinterly was and how we were both kind of surprised that we didn't see him crack the starting lineup after that phenomenal game against Ole Miss. He kind of, not to the same extent, but he repeated that against Tennessee, mm-hmm. except with more playmaking. I mean, there was t- uh, multiple possessions in a row where we're just setting up screens just to force a switch so Quinterly can attack the rim. And whether he's going to shoot in a finish or if he's going to kick out to a shooter, and Alabama finally started making shots. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, that's the biggest key. We got Eves Pons in foul trouble early. Um, and I, all around, I mean, I thought this was one of Oates' best coach games we've seen in his two years at Alabama, um, definitely the best of the season. Um, he gave Rick Barnes all he could handle. Barnes had trouble adjusting. And every time Tennessee would throw that punch to start climbing back in the second half, Alabama was always ready. Um, they Tennessee would cut it to six. Alabama would start pulling it back to double digits and close with an eight-point win. So I was, I was very happy, very proud of our guys. Um, that was, in my opinion, Josh Primo's best game of the season on both ends. Just looked phenomenal. Um, so what were your thoughts after that one? I have a lot of them, Matt. Um, so I'm going to start with this. So as it stands currently, uh, Tennessee is the number one defense in defensive efficiency on Kim Palm and Alabama scored over a point per possession against them, uh, which is impressive, especially being on the road, uh, in a game like that. Um, 10 of 20 from three, uh, 16 of 42 from two. So 38%. That's not all that surprising considering how well Tennessee protects the rim. You know, like you said, Eve Bonds had he had five blocks by himself. He was ridiculous. Uh, he had like three blocks while he was sitting on three fouls, with like twelve minutes left in the game. And I was just like, how? You know, like the guy's no conscience. You know, you see shooters with no conscience. <laughs> he 
he's a shot blocker with no conscience. He has three fouls, and he's still swatting yeah. shots off the glass. Um, he was ridiculous. Uh, but I think you saw one thing Alabama did in the second half. They started spreading Tennessee out more and, you know, drawing pawns and those guys away from the rim. And that's when you saw a lot of those shots start to fall uh, when Tennessee would uh, overhelp a little bit. Because in the first half, you know, even throughout the game, Alabama was getting uh, into the Tennessee defense, but then, you know, 16 for 42 uh, from two, you know, they just that shows you that Alabama's getting in the paint, but Tennessee just alters so many shots at the rim. It's so tough to finish, even when you do get there. Uh, you know, getting by your man is just only half the battle. So uh, I think they kind of baited Alabama into that a little uh, to try to discourage some threes because uh, Alabama only taking 23s. You know, we're usually seeing them well over 30. Um, but when you make 10 of them, it looks a lot better. Uh, Petty was 4 for 4 by himself. He was awesome. Uh, he was he was great defensively, too, on uh, Tennessee's guards. Uh, you know, Victor Bailey, their leading scorer, he had 16, um, but he was 0 for 5 from 3. Uh, Viscovi had a decent game. Um, but then Josiah Jordan-James, 2 points. Uh, Keon Johnson, 12 points. Uh, Jaden Springer was hurt. He only played 5 minutes. That really helped us. Um, just a one less talented guard to have to deal with. Um, and then Pons getting in foul trouble, only playing 21 minutes really helped, but those 21 minutes, he affected the game uh, big time, even though he only scored six points. But just all in all, what won this game, and I know Alabama scored uh, over a point per possession against the best defense in the country statistically, but what won this game for Alabama was its defense. Um, conversely, Tennessee, 17 of 45 from two, 37%, uh, percent, and only four of 21 from three. Alabama really bought in on the defensive end and that's what Oates mentioned after the game, that this team is really starting to buy in. That to win games in the SEC, especially to win on the road, and especially to win against a top-ten team like Tennessee, who we said was in a tier of their own um, in the conference, you've got to buy in on the defensive end. You've got to buy in, keeping them off the glass. Um, and Tennessee still had 18 offensive rebounds, but Alabama kept fighting, kept fighting. Um, there weren't Those offensive rebounds, you know, Maybe a few of them came just for, like, you know, lack of a box out. But it's just because they're going to get them, you know, come hell or high water because that's just who they are. Right. Um, especially guys like Pons, Fulkerson, um, guys like that. But I thought Alabama's effort on the defensive end was maybe the best we've seen in Oates' tenure so far. What were your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I know we've hit on offensively a lot. What were your thoughts uh, defensively uh, from the team? Yeah, so I mean, like you said, I think that was the best defensive game we've seen in Oates' year and a half now. Um, Herb, he's always phenomenal. We don't have to talk about how good Herb was on defense. Uh, I talked about Bruner just a moment ago about how he was always in the right position. He gets three blocks, and one was a really big one down the stretch in the second half. Um, the the two, three guys who really stuck out to me were John Petty, who you just mentioned, was really good on Victor Bailey. Um, Josh Primo, I thought, played really, really good defense in his 25 minutes, and he's really coming together as the two-way player we kind of expected him to be. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I didn't think I'd be mentioning this guy's name, but here we are. Quinterly, I thought, had his best defensive game of the season. Yes. Um, early on, at, really for his first stint in the game, you could tell he was kind of lost out there almost. Like he didn't know who he was guarding early on, and he picked up two early fouls probably because of – 
I haven't completely rewatched the whole game yet, but I'm assuming because he's out of position and he's kind of just lost out there. Picks yeah. up two early fouls, he's on the bench. He comes back in, and it's, it's a completely different player. He's after it on offense, which is great, but he's busting his tail on defense. And that's kind of what Oates has been saying in every press conference whenever people are asking about JQ is, oh, why isn't he in the starting lineup? Why are we not seeing 35 minutes a game from him? Well, it's because the defensive woes that he's had. And he stepped yeah. up really, really big. And a lot of teams have tried to kind of attack him and Shaq on the defensive end. And I thought both of those guys, they played up. They refused to get dogged out of this game, to get punked out. And they were they were phenomenal, I thought, and made big plays on the defensive end. Um, tipping passes, just staying in front of their man. Um, so all around, I mean, it, it was a good team defensive effort. As much as we want to highlight individuals who were great, there wasn't a weakness on this defense other than maybe Alex Reese in this game. And um, I mean, all, all around, I'm really, really proud of the way these guys play. Cause like you said, scoring over a point per possession on the number one defense on the road, especially that's phenomenal. And you're going to win a lot of games playing like that. But if this defense shows up game in game out, regardless of the offense, this team's going to be really, really tough to beat. Yeah, I agree. And you know, we talked about Tennessee being an interior of their own in the in the league. You know, you just beat them on the road. So, you know, that kind of just goes to show you what Alabama's capable of in conference play. Um, it doesn't get any easier, but uh, that just kind of goes to show that this team does have the ceiling that we thought they would have. A um, couple other things I wanted to highlight. I think you're exactly right about Quinterly on the defensive end. Um, you know, he's just – I don't know – what his issues were earlier in the season. I don't know if it was just him having to learn how to play defense again. You know, it's been two years since he had played a game. Um, but I think he's kind of back up to speed now. And he's not hes not a plus defender by any means. But as long as he can hold his own against, you know, uh, against a point guard and not be an easy target, then Alabama will be fine. Um, but a couple other guys that I thought uh, were big is Keon Ellis, 11 minutes. It just seems he always finds a way, you know, to uh, – make his mark on the game. Um, I know that Oates loves guys like Kim and Rojas that come in and they may not uh, light up the scoreboard, but they're going to rebound, they're going to hustle, and they're going to play good defense. Um, see, Shackelford, you know, he hit some big shots. I thought he he's made some strides defensively too. Um, he's limited because of his, uh, his height and his, uh, you know, his size. But, I kind of talked about. I think I hit it on it on the last podcast. He he he's really bought in defensively. He's not getting scored on for a lack of effort or for being out of position or you know anything like that. It's just to what he's limited by his size. He's only six uh, two or so and two hundred pounds right. soaking wet. So you know <laughs> these this team can that's really be good offensively and that really excite or defensively. And that really excites me because you know the offense is always going to be there. Um, so, Herb Jones, I thought, you know, three of twelve from two. That's one. If there's one thing that I could change offensively, it's maybe tweak Herb's role offensively. What do, What do you What do you think about that? Like, I like some of what I see from Herb at the point, um, especially when, or pretty much only when Quinterly's out. But what have you seen from Herb offensively, and what do you think that they could maybe tweak in his role going forward? 
Yeah, so I agree. I would like to see it tweaked a bit, but then I remind myself whenever I'm saying that, yeah, he's three of thir three of twelve on the inside, but um, he gets to the rim whenever he wants. Mm -hmm. So I mean that that's a positive of him being the main ball handler. He's able to back guy. He forces a lot of switches. And he's able to back guys down with his height, which is great. But if you're gonna get there, you've got to finish. Um, I know he was three of twelve inside the three point line. Um, and that that's tough to look at, but there was a lot of opportunities that could have been made. The pawns made life difficult, which is bound to happen whenever you play against the guy who is the reigning SEC Defensive Player of the Year and is probably going to end up winning the award again this year with the start that he's had. Um, but I would like to see us use Herb in a role where he gets a full head of steam going downhill a lot quicker rather than having to create the switch and kind of posting up and just kind of hoping for a prayer that a foul gets called. Um, I'd also like to see us use Herb more in a facilitator kind of role. Um, he sees the floor really well, and part of that's because of his height and the switches that we're creating. I think that whenever we attack the rim with him, we can start, especially now with shots falling after that Tennessee game, we can see guys like Primo or Shaq in the opposite corner get a lot more looks moving forward. But... I think that there's a lot of positives and negatives with how we're using Herb right now, and it, it can definitely be cleaned up in a lot of different ways. What are some ways that you could see that role kind of tweaking and improving efficiency-wise? Um, you know, I don't mind him being the ball handler, when, especially when uh, Quinterly's out, just because of how good of a shooter Primo is. Uh, I think you're you kind of uh, not waste him as a ball handler because he's a good ball handler too, but I, I would like to have Primo spaced. Um, because he's one of the better shooters on the team. Um, but with Herb, a lot of times, you know, he drives so hard. And like you said, he does, he gets by his man. Um, he's really tough off the uh, to guard off the dribble just because of how long he is and how he's got a quick first step. But I'd like to see a lot of times, I think sometimes when he drives, he's looking, you know, just at the rim. He gets a lot of foul calls, but he also gets a lot of charges. And, uh, you know, he'll maybe turn it over. Or force up a tough shot. Um, there was one shot I saw that he made against Tennessee that was, uh, you know, just like driving left and then kind of a lean back and banked it in. He made that, but that's not the shot Alabama's looking for. Um, so, you know, I, I like I said, I do like him as a ball handler, but I don't think he's getting the driving kicks that Alabama wants that I know he's capable of doing. Because like you said, he does have good vision, and he's a great passer, and he's always he he wants to make a play for his teammates. But I just think a lot of times when he gets downhill, he sees the rim and nothing else. Um, so it would be nice to you know for him to maybe uh, get a little better at that. But other than that, I I think that he's best served for Alabama as a slasher. You know, he's really good at so like when Alabama's in their five out. And you know they reverse the ball. He's he and whenever he's on the wing, because he's usually if he's not in the dunker spot, then he's in he's uh, space on the wing. He does that little forty-five cut, which is like a forty-five degree angle cut to the rim, and he's really good at catching that and finishing, catching that, kicking back out uh, to the opposite wing or the opposite corner. Um, I think that's his best role for the team, and that's also the best spot where he uh, gets a lot of his offensive rebounds off missed threes. He'll come flying in from the wing. Um, so I, I recognize that Alabama needs him as a ball handler just because they don't have any. Uh, 
you know, Primo can do it, but he's also a freshman. Um, and freshmen make a lot of mistakes with the ball, especially 17-year-old freshmen. So I think that the way Herb's playing, you can't ask for a lot more um, than what he's giving you offensively. You know, I think he's – I don't know what his average is now, um, but it's still over 10 points a game, which, you know, his first three years, I think he averaged, what, four? And when he was yeah. averaging four points per game, everybody still thought he was, you know, one of the best players on the team because of everything else he brings. So it's hard to critique Herb's start um, to the season because he's just been so good. Um, you know, he's really – he's kind of carried the team in certain spots, especially when Quinterly was still kind of, you know, coming up to speed. But um, I don't want to criticize Herb too much because he's Herb. We all love him, and he does so much for the basketball team. Um, so any final thoughts you have on Tennessee, on the Tennessee win? Um especially what it means for the team moving forward, you know, maybe giving them some confidence uh, going into this week where, you know, Tennessee was, you know, the best team they'll probably play SEC play, but Florida and then going to Auburn, things don't get a whole lot easier. Yeah, so I do want to go back and touch on one thing that you mentioned earlier, which was the fact that whenever we're on offense, we were setting Eve's pawns up more guarding a wing as opposed to guarding a corner guy because it kind of takes him out of the help side as far as a rim threat. Um, So I I really liked what Oates did with that because we mainly did it with Quinterly as the ball handler since he was getting to the rim with a lot of ease. We took ease ponds out of that weak side rim protection role to where now we're having to have other guys help in. Fulkerson was one of them. And a lot of the times, I I know Bailey had to a couple times. Um, Josiah Jordan James had to a couple times. It created a lot of open space for shooters. So whenever we did that, we're having it to where two corner guys are having to cut off the rim gravity, and if they don't, JQ's got an easy layup. Where Pons, he can help off by himself, and he's going to make the play nine times out of ten. So now we're forcing lesser defenders to do it. So JQ's either got a layup opportunity or he's got a perfect chance to kick out to Josh Primo in the corner or to John Petty on the wing. Or we're giving it to one of those guys. We're swinging the ball around, getting good shots. To me, that's the offense we've been looking for this year. Yeah. To where we're getting feet in the paint. We're making life hard on the defense because Quinterly's finished four straight times. So now we're going to kick out to the corner, or we're going to kick out and Herb's going to hit a three because Herb's fifty percent from three this season. I know it's low volume, but still, he's yeah. respectable now. John Petty's 4-4 four, four from 3. So it made the offense really hard to guard. It looked more like a machine that we've been waiting on this season, which was really encouraging for me. So that that was just one thing I wanted to touch on. But as far as for what this win means, I mean, it gives Alabama momentum. Um, coming into a really tough matchup against Florida, which we'll touch on in a, just a moment. Um, but the upcoming next four games for Alabama are pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, you got Florida at home, at Auburn, at Kentucky and hosting Arkansas. Um, and then after that, you actually go on the road to LSU as well. So the next five are really tough. Um, Ken Palm has us projected to win three of those five, which I would take all day long. Yep. Um, and th- this matchup with Florida on Tuesday is to take sole control of the SEC uh, three games in. Like, everyone projected these two teams to be in <laughs> position for. So right. um, it- it's early, but it- that's still a really meaningful game. And it was important to get this win against Tennessee to build a whole lot of momentum you know, th- this is a different team we're talking about right now than the team that lost to Western Kentucky right before Christmas. Um, so it, I'm really excited to see kind of how the guys respond. You can't lay an egg on Tuesday, though. You got to celebrate yeah. this win, 
You got to watch the film. You got to learn from the. There were mistakes here and there still, so you got to learn from those. You have to watch it and see if we bring this effort every night, we're going to be really hard to beat in this conference. So I'm ready to see kind of where the team goes from here after this really big momentum builder. Alabama would never lay an egg at home to Florida. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, not a I shot. Think it's, I think it's been, like, what, 12 years since Alabama's beaten them at home, so that's one thing, a monkey they've got to get off their back. But one more thing on the Tennessee game before uh, we move on to Florida. You you mentioned them drawing the shot blockers away from the rim. That was, when you saw those threes go down in the second half, that's exactly what they were doing. Um, Pons, for as, you know, as athletic as he is, he wants to block everything. He is a smart defender, but he also wants to block everything because he can. Um, and so he's crashing down hard. And Alabama got a ton of kick-out threes. Um, and they finally started making them. You know, they're still only 31.8% as a team. Um, you look at their Ken Palm numbers, like all their, like the four factors, effective field goal percentage, still very average, um, under 50%. Um, turnover percentage is good. Offensive rebound percentage is good. Uh, free throw rate, still not getting to the line like they need to. Um, but Alabama still, they're the 37th ranked offense in terms of efficiency, and they still got so much they can improve on, which is what you want at this time of the year. You know, um, we're not gonna, they're not going to be perfect, um, but they've got a lot of things they can improve on, um, which is very encouraging considering where they're sitting at now. But one thing we haven't mentioned is Alabama turned the ball over 10 times in the first half, against Tennessee, which um, we mentioned that as a key, which it's valuing the basketball is always big, um, but especially against a team like Tennessee because they force so many turnovers. Uh, 25% of their possessions on defense result in a turnover. Alabama in the second half, just two turnovers. That's the reason they won the game, and that's the reason they dominated the second half because they everyone they made their possessions count. They got good shots, and they didn't uh, have wasted possessions. Um so I think I, I touched on Twitter too with uh, in regards to the two turnovers in the second half. Alabama went to kind of like what we saw at the end of the Western Kentucky game um, with Herb where, you know, they kind of just started. Uh, it looks almost like the end of an NBA game, you know, the last three minutes when uh, the primary ball handler is just hunting the switch and then, you know, attacking the rim. But it didn't really work all that well against Western Kentucky. But against Tennessee – you know, they did a really good job spreading them out, getting into the uh, matchups they wanted, whether it was Fulkerson on Quinterly um, or Vescovi on Herb. They did a good job of getting those switches um, and attacking them. And, you know, I mentioned it earlier or last pod. Oates isn't a guy who's going to run a ton of sets, you know, I've rewatched almost the whole first half, and I don't remember much in the second half where you know Alabama went to anything uh, special. Um, he's not going to run a ton of sets. He's not going to run any motion offense, any continuities. He wants he wants to cut out all that and just find the best matchups he can where he can get an advantage and let his players play. And it really worked in the second half. You know, Alabama wasn't slinging the ball around. They weren't you know reversing the ball, moving it all over the place. But they also didn't turn it over, and they got good looks. And, I mean, that's which—that's the point of offensive basketball is to get the best looks you can um, and try to create an advantage against the defense. And I thought Alabama did a great job of that in the second half. 
what do you think about that, Matt? Yeah, honestly, I think you kind of just said it perfectly. Um, that That's a big key to victory there, and Alabama did really, really well. And I, I think that kind of flows into some of the keys for Florida as well. I mean, especially with turnovers like you're mentioning. I mean, valuing the basketball is going to win you games regardless of who you're playing. It doesn't matter if you're playing Jacksonville State or if you're playing Tennessee. If you're turning yeah. the ball over, you're not going to win the game. Um, and it's going to be the story of SEC play for this team is how are they going to value the basketball on the defensive end to force opponents into tough shots and finish a possession with a rebound? How are they going to value the basketball on the offensive end to not turn the ball over, especially down the stretch? I mean, that's something that seems like haunts Alabama at times is yeah. either just taking dumb shots or turning the ball over. Whether And it's usually self-inflicted. It's not like we're just getting picked a lot of the time. Um, so it was nice to see Alabama kind of respond properly against Tennessee like that. And like you were saying, I mean, it, it seemed like an NBA game down the stretch, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. We're hunting out switches to try to find the mismatches. We're trying to get guys like Eves Ponds up so you kind of take away part of that weak side rim protection. And you're going to attack from there, and you're going to make the smart basketball play from there. So I, I was very encouraged by finally seeing this team close a game. Um Oates talked about it all last season and all coming into this year is you have to know how to win games down the stretch. Yeah. And we lost a game down the stretch against Western Kentucky that we should have won. We won this game down the stretch and we made big plays when it mattered. And that was really encouraging to see. The only thing down the stretch was free throws. Um, yeah. I know that that's every uh, Alabama basketball fan's favorite gripe, um, <laughs> which, but you know, You've got to make those shots on the stretch, especially when it's guys like Shackelford and Petty missing. Um, yeah, that was kind of disappointing and one and one. to see. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was kind and of one and one opportunities. Yeah, two, missed two of the front ends, made one front end and missed the second. So one of four and one and one opportunities is not going to get it done a lot of the time, and that's got to improve for sure. And that's one of the things that I mentioned um, of all the things they can improve on. That's one of them. Uh, yeah. So huge win on the road at Tennessee. Alabama's two and zero in the SEC. Um, we didn't think they'd be here. Not a lot of people thought they'd be here. Uh, so now they get a turnaround. They come back home, and they get a Florida team coming off a really good win. They beat LSU at home, 83-79. Um, I think they, they controlled that game. I watched most of the second half. They controlled that game a little more than that score indicates. LSU kind of made a little late push there at the end. But Florida, you know, only their second game without Keontae Johnson. Um, so, and I was kind of, I was really impressed with them, especially offensively and diving into the numbers. And I haven't got a great chance to watch them uh, this year in the, uh, in terms of watching their film. I've watched some of their games live. Um, but this year they're 21st in Kim Palm, 20th offensively, 29th defensively. One thing that stood out to me, 2019, they were 344th in tempo. Uh, last year they were 326. This year they're 87th. Um, so that's, that's a pretty big shift in terms of pushing the basketball. Um, you know, they've only played six games, so maybe that evens out a little bit, but what have you seen from, uh, Florida so far and how they've, you know, maybe shifted their philosophy a little bit with, you know, they've got really good guards, Trey Mann, Scotty Lewis, uh, guys like that. What have you seen from them so far in their personnel? Yeah, so I, I'm starting to think maybe Mike White came to his senses and learned whenever you recruit, recruit really good athletes, maybe you should play fast. Yeah. Um, you know, they could have been a lot better with Nimbard at point guard if they would have played fast. He's playing really well at Gonzaga in his role up there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But uh, offensively, I mean, this is – I remember the first time I watched them early in the season against Army, they were really struggling. And I'm thinking this team's a typical Mike White team. They're going to be really hard-nosed on defense, but they're not going to be good in half-court offense. They've really shifted from that. And I thought whenever they lost to Keontae Johnson, who, thank the Lord, he's okay, and yeah. you know, it could have been a whole lot worse than it is. Um, but whenever they lost him, I thought, all right, SEC just lost one of its kind of Tier 2 contenders in Florida. Um, I still thought they are going to be really good defensively, but it, I thought he was going to be a huge hit on offense, which in ways he still is. But um, Scotty Lewis is phenomenal on both ends. Trey Mann, it, he's finally having the breakout year this year. Everyone thought his freshman year, his potential for one and done. Um, he's playing to that level right now. He's playing really, really well. Um, Appleby, the transfer they have from, I, I believe he was at Cleveland State before Florida, He's yeah. he's a solid player. I mean, he's a good point guard. He's hard-nosed. He's going to defend hard. Um, Noah Locke's been here for a couple of years. Pretty good shooter. Uh, plays really hard and just a smart offensive player. I think it was uh, Castleton who played really well against LSU. And like you said, I mean, they kind of controlled that game. I mean, it was a four-point margin of victory, but it didn't really feel like it was ever in doubt. Um, yeah. So th- this isn't – I mean, like we kind of talked about Tennessee and Ole Miss – they're hard-nosed defensively. They're going to play up and pressure you. Um, I could see their press giving Alabama some issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one of my biggest worries with this game. Um, but this is a team that's going to defend hard. They're going to play smart on offense. They don't take a whole lot of threes. Um, I think they're like 87 in the country in three-point percentage. Um, yeah. And I think they're pretty low on uh, three-point rate. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. Um, uh, yeah, I'm looking right here. Uh, 256 and three-point yeah, rate. that's what I thought. That's what I thought. So, I mean, they're, stylistically, they're going to try to get to the rim with their guards, and they're going to try to out-hustle you. I mean, these are some dudes that are going to, like Tennessee and Ole Miss, they're going to try to punk you out. They're going to try to crash offensive boards hard. They've got some athletes, so they're going to try to – there's a lot of times um, against Vandy where – you see Trey Man drive, and he's throwing lobs. Um, so to I, I don't know how to say the young man's name, but he's number four. Um, so he's he's a good athlete. They're going to try to create easy opportunities inside. And if Alabama defends the way they did against Tennessee, this is a very winnable game. If they defend the way they did against, say, Stanford early in the season, Florida is going to win this game. And Florida always has Alabama's number in Coleman, like you mentioned. Um, I'm still having nightmares from the game, I guess it was two years ago, that Sexton came and visited for, and we shot a grand total of like 28% or something like that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was just atrocious. So I, I'm worried that maybe we see a repeat of that, but it's a new era in Alabama basketball and coming off a hot night against Tennessee. So what are some things that you're kind of looking for going into this game? Um I'm looking to see how they handle the athletes Florida has, especially on the wings um, and at the guard position. Like like you said, Scotty Lewis, he's he's really good at getting to the rim. Uh, same with Trey Mann. You know, those are two guys, uh, six five, six six, um, guys who can really uh, beat you off the bounce. So that's going to be some tough uh, matchups for Alabama, especially when you're talking about you know who are when Quinterly and Shackelford are both on the floor then, um, you know, who's going to be guarding who. Uh, so I think they can present some tough matchups uh, for Alabama. Um, defensively, Florida teams, it seems like they're always good defensively. And under Mike White's tenure, it hasn't been any different. Um, 
like I said, we said Tennessee and Ole Miss were a lot of were similar in a lot of ways. Florida's not all that different either. They kind of got the same philosophy, you know, defense and then uh, pounding you in the paint um, offensively. So just like Tennessee, Alabama's going to have to be tough uh, on the interior defensively. They're going to have to, uh, you know, fight for position, uh, keep the ball out of the paint, and then finish uh, possessions maybe a little better than they did at Tennessee and get some rebounds. They got kind of lucky at Tennessee. A lot of those second chance, uh, second, third chance opportunities uh, didn't go down. Um, but Florida, Florida's a team that could, like I said, present a lot of problems for Alabama with uh, some of the matchups they have. Um, one thing I'll be looking for is uh, the lineup. Um, you know, Petty hasn't started in two games. Quinterly hasn't started. Um, but both of those guys were, you know, maybe their two best players at Tennessee. So I'm kind of looking. I'm kind of looking to see if you know maybe we see a solidified rotation. You know, kind of round into shape here. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And who do you think are your uh, your guys in the starting lineup and their rotation uh, going forward? Oh goodness. Um, <laughs> so let's see. Um, I actually I might be in the minority here. I really like Quinterly off the bench. Yeah. Um, I think that he he's able to see for three or four minutes, kind of just see what the defense is throwing at guys, kind of see what he needs to do to counteract that. And I think that's kind of set him up for success these last couple games is he sees – it's easy to point it out on film and say, JQ, here's where we need you to be when this guy's guarding you and such. Here's the switches we want you to make on offense and defense. He's able to actually see it played out live in front of him, and then he's able to go in and attack from there. And I really like the idea of that. Yeah. Um, so I, I honestly really like the starting five we had against Tennessee, which was Herb, Petty, um, Bruner, Primo, and um, Shaq. Shaq. I, I knew I was forgetting someone obvious. Yeah, <laughs> Shaq. Um, and like like we mentioned, Shaq's playing much better defensively. He's just kind of going to get picked on from time to time, and it's not his fault. It's the Lord's fault. Um, <laughs> so I, I like those five with Quinterly off the bench. I really like what – um, Keon Ellis has thrown pretty much every game he's been in. His first couple, you can tell he's really timid on the offensive end. He's really grown on that end with confidence. Um, and he's probably our second best on-ball defender behind Herb. Yeah. Um, and I think he's adds a lot of value. Um, I, like I said, I give Reese a lot of flack. He's in this rotation and deserves to be in this rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean I'm not going to ask for him to be taken out every game. Um, but he deserves to be here. He makes winning plays from time to time. Against Tennessee, I forgot to point this out, there was a possession where Herb missed at the rim. Re- it was right at the end of the half. Reese tips it up twice. It didn't fall, but effort plays like that are going to impact winning, and it's good to see Reese making yeah. plays like that. Um, Rojas, he can be a bull in China shop at times, but he deserves to be in the rotation. Um, and another guy that we didn't, I don't know if we saw him at all against Tennessee, but Jawan Gary, I've really liked what I've seen from him in the minutes he's gotten. Um, yeah. So I, I would like to see him get a little bit more run, but I know Oates likes to run at eight, nine guys. So the, the eight or nine that I mentioned before, Gary, would kind of be the rotation that I'm looking at. What What are you thinking moving forward with that? Because this is an interesting topic. Yeah, someone uh, asked about, on Twitter, asked about Gary. Um, it's We're not there uh, at practice. You know, we don't know how he's progressing. Um, you know, he missed all last year with an ACL. Um, so we don't know how far he was behind and all that stuff, but he's definitely going to help Alabama going forward. You know, this is still his freshman year. 
Um, and Alabama's so deep, you know, they don't they don't have to rush him into a role. Um, so as far as he's concerned, um, you know, not going to make too many, you know, assertions uh, early on Juwan Gary. Um, as for the rest of it, like I said, Alabama's so deep, I'm not sure it matters who starts. Um, as long as you get, you know, a good lineup, uh, you know, matchup-wise, it may... Alabama can kind of play personnel, um, or depending on the opponent's personnel, especially finishing games. Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, they kind of rode the hot hand with Quinterly lately, especially late. You know, he was so good against Ole Miss and against Tennessee. Um, but I'm just... I'm firmly in the camp that it doesn't matter who starts. Um, it's And even Oates said it's more important uh, who finishes. Um, so I don't really buy a whole lot into that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think it makes a whole lot of difference one way or the other. As long as the players are brought into their roles, I think that's the most important part. Um, so that's Florida. Um, like we said, going to be a tough game for Alabama. Um, they're kind of playing with house money at this point after the 2-0 start. Um, and you know, we know how Auburn arena has treated Alabama. So it's going to be, that's going to be a tough game as well. So we're going to move on a little bit. We asked to, uh, the listeners to give us a few questions. And, um, so at Tobias Trey on Twitter, he said, what area of concern needs the most improvement to become a top 25 team or a team that can make a run into March? Um, I think you and I, Matt, both agree that, Alabama has top 25 potential. Um, you know, we they got some preseason votes, so that was the expectation. Um, to me, it's gonna be gonna have to be just making shots and continuing to find um, you know ways to get Javon Quinterly in the paint, finding shooters, making plays for others. Um, outside of that, you know, they really need to get they still need to keep buying in defensively. Um, you know, right now they're playing as a good defensive team, but is it going to continue to, uh, you know, show up game in, game out? Um, so I think that's going to be important. What do you think about that question? What do you want to see from Alabama, uh, going forward if they're going to hit their potential, uh, hit their ceiling? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you said it perfectly right there with the defense. I think that's kind of the biggest thing moving forward um if, if Alabama wants to crack the top 25 this season which is very doable you know this mm-hmm. is a tough stretch here like we mentioned those next five games if you go three and two here if you go four and one here especially I think you're going to receive a lot of votes for it um but right now in the season I think it's more about getting some impressive wins to start building your resume uh you dropped a couple chances early on with Stanford and Clemson um, that Western Kentucky loss, it's not one that's going to haunt you, but it's one that could really help you since that was a home game. Yeah. Um, that's that's where you hurt your resume is at home. You're not going to hurt your resume on the road against good teams, at least. Um, yeah. You're not going to hurt your resume in neutral sites against good teams. Against decent teams like Western Kentucky, when you lose games like that at home, it hurts your resume. Mm-hmm. They made up for it with a win at Tennessee, but you, we're in a stretch right now where you get three wins. Those are three good wins on your resume. Um so for me, moving forward, looking into making the NCAA tournament, first of all, and then playing for seeding past that, um, it, it starts on the defensive end. Um, we're a top 40 defensive team on Ken Palm. That's something that I was very eager to see this season because 
the personnel on paper, the length, the athleticism, it should mm-hmm. be there. Uh, yeah. My goal was top 50, and I think that's what Nate Oates had said before, too. We're at 40 right now, so that's really impressive, and I'm blown away by that. Is it going to be consistent? Because it's gotten better every game. So is it going to stay at this level and improve, or is it going to dip back down to where we were in non-conference? Um, so I think that's still going to be a question mark, as well as, like I was talking about with Tennessee, we made winning plays down the stretch. Is that something that we're going to keep building on? Are we going to take smarter shots, not make bad turnovers? Are we going to knock down free throws at the end of the game, like we said we need to improve on? So when there's a lot of tight games coming up, and it's going to happen throughout SEC play. So how are we going to handle those games and defining moments for the season? And that's those are kind of the two things I'm looking at moving forward. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I still think Alabama's got improvements to make offensively. Um, Definitely. You know, they're still they're still, you know, learning how to live life without Kyra, um, because you know. Very rarely does a coach get to implement a system and then have a point guard who is just absolutely perfect for that system, which is what Oates had in Kyra last year. Um, you know, he ran it flawlessly. He was incredible getting up and down the court. You know, fast. he was the fastest player in the country uh, for my money last year with the ball in his hands. Um, so, but Quinterly's a different player. And, you know, I think they've had to adjust to what they're going to do offensively. You know, he's just... He's still very good, but he's just a different kind of point guard than Kyra was. Um, so I still think they're learning how to do that eventually. I, I still think the shooting is going to get there. They're not going to be outside the top 100 in three-point percentage. They just got too many good shooters. Um, so as long as they keep getting those clean looks, uh, I think those will fall eventually. I got another question from a friend uh, through text message. He said, um, well, first he asked why is officiating so bad, which we could go on for that for hours. Um, it was not good against Tennessee. It's never good. But he said his real question is, do we prefer a uh, five-out look on offense with Reese at the five or four-out with Bruner in the dunker spot? Um, for me, that's personnel-based. It's based on who we're playing. Um, you know, against Tennessee, we were able to spread it out. And the good thing about Bruner is you don't have to stick him in the dunker spot. You can you can even stick Herb there if Herb's playing the five because um, Bruner can shoot. Um, so right now Alabama's, you know, last year they played with some guys that couldn't shoot at all, um, or just weren't outside threats, weren't outside players. Alabama doesn't really have any of those guys this year. Um, so they can kind of play except when, you know, uh, Ambrose is in there whenever, you know, he's, but he doesn't play a whole lot. Um, so Alabama can kind of go five out, which is, you know, you turn on college basketball now, you're going to see more and more five out looks. I mean, Kansas, Bill Self's played with two bigs for as long as I can remember, and he's playing four out, five out all the time now, uh, depending on which big he has in the game. Um, so, you know, it's just it's a different kind of basketball now. Um, so I think I think that just depends on who Alabama's playing. Uh, what have you seen from Alabama offensively in terms of that, and what would be your answer to that question? Yeah, so my first answer is going to be about the first question. Um, <laughs> Just real quickly, because I got to get it off my chest. There were multiple times where Keon Johnson slid across the floor with no travel, yes. and where Eves Ponds full arm extended shoved dudes out of the way to get rebounds. Drove me crazy. Officials are always going to suck. It's the SEC. Um, it is what it is. Um, now to the real question. Um, I, I've really liked the five outlooks we've been giving the past couple games. I'm someone who is always going to like five out basketball a bit better. I think yeah. it's a bit cleaner. It's it's just a beautiful style of basketball, especially with shots falling. Um, 
But with four out one in with a ducker spot, I actually, like you mentioned, I prefer Herb there as opposed to Bruner. I think Bruner's a pretty good outside shooter, and he's really good at making extra passes when necessary as well. Um, not that Herb's not, but Herb's really good at, like you were mentioning earlier on 45 cuts and such, Herb's really good at getting offensive boards when he's in this area as well. He's going to either pull it down himself or he's going to tip it out. And I think Bruner crashes pretty well off the perimeter as well. So my preferred look would be the five outlooks where we're able to kind of pick apart mismatches and attack and get two feet in the paint, and we're either going to score it there or kick it out for three. Um, but with the four out with a dunker spot, I prefer Herb in that area. If you get it to him and he's not able to shoot, he's a really good passer. He's able to yes. kind of just see over the floor. I think, I mean, Bruner may be listed as an inch taller than Herb. I'm not convinced he's an inch taller than Herb. Yeah. I mean, Herb's just, he's a big dude, and he's able to, to make a lot of really good plays. So I, the answer to my question to that question is yes, all the way around, because I think the biggest question for Alabama is, are shots going to be falling in either one of these philosophies? Because if they are, it doesn't matter if we're running three out, two in, it's going to work. Um, but my preferred is always going to be five out. That's always going to be my answer. But I think that there's a good mix of both where Alabama is going to be successful. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you saw it in the last two games when they're able to spread teams out and guys have to stay attached to shooters um, because safe point early has got the ball in his hands. You've got Shackelford spaced out on the wing. You've got Primo on the wing. You've got Reese in the corner, Bruner in the corner. All those guys you have to you have to guard because um, they're they're good shooters. So it's you know it's opened up the paint a lot for Alabama. Um, so I do think that they're. They're only kind of gaining their footing offensively, honestly. I mean, we've seen some good performances. We've seen some bad performances. They've been kind of inconsistent. But when they're rolling, um, they're, they look really good. So, you know, that was a good performance against Tennessee. thought it was a really good performance offensively against Ole Miss. Um, you know, I think that Alabama's only going to get better offensively as the season goes along. You know, they played two really good defensive teams, and they scored 82 and 71. Um, so I'm not very worried about the offense, um, going forward. I think it's going to pick back up, uh, the shooting's going to pick back up and they're going to be really dangerous. I think they have a chance to be maybe even the best offense, uh, in the SEC when it's all said and done. Um, I'm going to do one more question. This was from Jonathan Keel on Twitter. He said, do you think the players are starting to understand that it's play defense or sit on the bench? And I do think they're starting to understand that. Um, you know, we saw it with Quinterly. You know, it's a big reason why he wasn't starting to begin with, um, you know, an SEC play. And, you know, as much as Alabama is an offensive team, or you may, may think of Nate Oates as an offensive coach, he had great defensive teams at Buffalo. Um, I think he had a team that finished inside the top 30 in defensive efficiency at Buffalo, which is really impressive um, just considering, you know, uh, the athletes he has now um, with the athletes he was playing with at Buffalo. So he coaches, he's really good at coaching defense. I think last year he just didn't have the personnel um, in terms of uh, a defensive, a good defensive team. But this year he's got it, and you're seeing the results. Um, so I do think that players are realizing that. What do you think about um, that, Matt, and the emphasis on defense that the coaching staff is placing? Yeah, I mean, I think you said it perfectly. I think it's pretty obvious to these guys that if you're not going to if you're not going to defend, if you're not going to give effort on that end, we're going to leave you on the bench. Um, and I mean, I hate to keep bringing up Alex Reese, but um, 
I mean, last season, it was easy to pick him apart and say he's not giving any effort on the defensive end. And it was easy for him to do that because you can't bench him. We had no personnel behind him. Exactly. This year, you've, you've really seen him buy in on the defensive side as far as effort goes. Um, and I, I think that's in part because there's so much competition around him now to where if he's not going to give effort, he's going to be on the bench this season. Mm-hmm. And we've really seen him grow as a defender and kind of as a leader in a way as far as he's not – He's not just walking up and down the court doing whatever he pleases. He's actually given effort and trying to make winning plays this year. Um, I mean, Quinterly is an easy person to point at. He got put on the bench because he's not given enough effort on defense and just because he's not a – like you mentioned, he's not a plus defender by any means. But he was lost in rotations. He was – it seemed like he was constantly thinking about the next offensive possession. And he's starting to kind of buy in now on defense. And his minutes are increasing. His level of play is increasing. And the coaching staff is all behind him because of it. Shaq's made a huge step up on the defensive end this season, and the coaching staff's pushing behind him. Petty's taken another leap defensively. So I, I think all around, I mean, I think it's pretty clear to these guys that they have to defend, and they're buying into it. They're number 40 in Ken Palm for a reason on defense. This this is a team that could be really, really good defensively, and I'm glad that they've started to buy into NATO's philosophy on the defensive end. Yeah, I agree. Um you know, they kind of play, they don't do anything special defensively. They kind of play defense like an NBA team. Um, you know, they switch when they need to. Um, they don't do anything really special on ball screens, but they just have a lot of good, solid defenders who are bought in. And when you've got athletes that, you know, buy into the defensive end, it's you're going to be tough to score on no matter what. Um, so we've already gone too long. Uh, you know, after Florida, we've got Auburn on the road. And the plan is for us to record after the Florida game you know, and give an overview of that, um, and then preview Auburn a little bit. Um, you know, so another exciting week in SEC play, but Alabama's going into the Florida game 2-0. and uh, So that is it for the second episode of the X's and O's podcast. Thanks uh, for giving us some questions, giving us some stuff to talk about, and thanks for hearing us ramble on about Alabama basketball. And we will see you again next week.